if you could sign up as, as soon as possible, that would be great. Acts chapter 16. Verse number 9 says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with Paul, saying, Come over to Macedonia. Help us. Father, thank you for your word. And now, what you have sent it to do, let it be done. The assignment attached to it, let it be accomplished. Let us be changed today in Jesus' name. Come on, if you want to be changed because of God's word, agree with me and just say amen. amen. As I prepared this message, I started daydreaming a little bit. And I wandered back to the days of the beginning. What I mean is the beginning of the church as we know it today, the early church. Jesus was crucified, wrongly accused, died on a cross, was buried and rose again. But he made a promise. He said a gift was coming. And shortly after he ascended, there was 120 people gathered in an upstairs room of a building called the upper room and what Jesus predicted and promised actually came to pass and was fulfilled we know it as the day of Pentecost 120 people gathered in an upper room just having a prayer meeting maybe having a life group I don't know I... but suddenly a wind started to blow through the room and what appeared like fire danced atop every head in the room. But I believe the flame wasn't just appearing on top of their head. I believe a flame was being ignited in the hearts of the people there. They were filled with the Holy Spirit that day. They were filled with fire and with power that day. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I got to daydreaming about this, and I got so excited thinking, wouldn't it be fun to have been there and to live in that era, the early days of the church. So 120 people, empowered by the Spirit of God, with a passion and a fire, speaking in a language they'd never been taught, they'd never learned, unknown, until that very moment. Now remember, they're in an upper room. They're upstairs. There were no windows, no glass covering at least. There really aren't many windows to this day. They're just openings so that the wind can blow through. You know, there's no air conditioning on the day of Pentecost. The air conditioning was the wind that God would cause to blow when he wanted the wind to blow. So they've got openings, but no windows. And, and so the people outside, and remember, it's a, it's a festival. It's the festival of Pentecost, 50 days. Okay, it's a feast. It's a holiday. So the place is packed. See, God has a perfect timing for what he does. And what he does, he does perfectly. 
So the people outside are hearing 120 people exuberantly and excitedly talking out of their heads, so it seemed. Because you see, the people who heard it said, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And these people have already been hitting the bottle. These people are drunk out of their minds. You look it up later. And they hear at least 17 languages being spoken that day. So they begin to speculate. They begin to question. They begin to accuse. What in the world is going on? Finally, Peter quiets the 120, first of all. Hang on, church. Hang on a minute. Then he gets the attention of the crowd and what a crowd it was. He says, let me, let me tell you what's going on. We're not drunk like you're talking about. We're not drunk like you think and like you suppose. This is that which was predicted and prophesied, told about many, many years ago. The prophet Joel said this very day would come. And he begins to tell them what really happened and that the Spirit of God was predicted to be poured out in the last day. Sons and daughters would prophesy, handmaidens and, and young servants and the old and the young, and on it went. And he says, this is that. But while I have your attention, let me tell you just a little bit more of what's going on. <laughs> I love that. He had a platform. He had an audience. He explained what had happened, but he went on to tell the message of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ, born, lived a sinless life, died for something that he did not do, was buried, and rose again so that we would have everlasting life. That's what Peter preached that day. Wouldn't that be exciting to have been in the crowd, either in the upper room or even out in the street? Thrilling, exciting. And not only... Did the people hear the message that was preached that day? We know from Scripture that at least... Well, let me ask you, how many people do you think responded to this? Let me see if you know your Sunday school very well. Anybody know how many responded to Peter's sermon that day? The altar call? Come on, somebody, tell me. There were 3,000 converts on that day... After the 120 were filled and baptized and began to speak in tongues, and Peter takes the opportunity to not only explain, but then to go on and preach Jesus, and 3,000 people responded and gave their lives to Christ and decided to believe in him, decided to follow him. I think that would be an exciting time to live. I could get a little bit excited about that right now because it excites me when people give their hearts to Christ, when people finally lay it all down. And stop carrying it on their own. Just like Josh did. I'm so proud of you, buddy. You keep on laying it down. Don't lay that down. I don't know what you just laid down right there. I'm talking about laying your heart down. 3,000 added to the 120. And then the Bible goes on to say that every day. Somebody say every day. Every day, people were getting saved. They'd wake up and they'd share Jesus and somebody say, I want to follow him. Every day, people were getting saved. It was just multiplying. It was busting at the seams. Had to be churches springing up all over the place. It got so crazy. Watch this. One of the main persecutors of the church, some rascal named Saul. Ever heard of him? 
Jesus got a hold of him. He was just minding his own business, which his business wasn't any good. His business was to persecute those who followed Christ. If you back up before Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus, you'll see him on the sideline rubbing his beard, smiling, actually holding coats of those who were stoning Stephen, giving his approval. That's what the Bible says. But Jesus met him on the Damascus road. He didn't know it was Jesus, but Jesus revealed himself to him. He said, it's me, Saul. It's Jesus, the one you keep persecuting and kicking against. Saul was blinded for a few days. And he received his sight. I, I, want, you to, I want you to remember this. He received his sight, and when he did, the Bible says something like scales actually fell to the ground from his eyes. And he began to see again physically, but he began to see spiritually for the first time, I believe. Saul was converted. It was a radical conversion. And he couldn't tell people about Jesus enough. I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord, my sister and her now husband, who was my best friend, all three of us were converted on the same day. We all accepted Christ on the same day. Rick and I were in an Assemblies of God church. Actually, we were in my apartment trying to get high. I, don't, don't try to figure it out. I can't myself, but uh, that's just the Holy Ghost. My sister had just come from a Baptist church. We figured out on the same night, within the same hour, the three of us decided to give our hearts to Christ. I was so, I was so saved. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a radical salvation. I didn't have to go through any withdrawals from things, and I know some people do, but thank God I didn't. I was just, I was saved and delivered on the same night, Floyd. Saved and delivered. Set free. We worked at a grocery store, and we had it all planned out. My sister would be the, she was the cashier, and I'd be the bagger. So she would slowly ring the people up, and I'd slowly bag their groceries. In the meantime, we're talking about the Bible study we had last night loudly and how powerful that was. And wasn't that awesome what God did? You see, Joe, we had this captive audience. They had to have their groceries. And we were the ones who were wringing them out and, and bagging them in the, into the bags. So they had to hear us out whether they wanted to or not. And I, put, I kept tracks in my apron. And I would, on the last bag, I'd take a track and put it in their grocery bag. It's a wonder I didn't get fired. You'd get fired for something like that today in a heartbeat. How many understand that? But see, I didn't care. The Apostle Paul didn't care. He was going to tell people, even if it meant him getting fired or him getting persecuted, it was a radical conversion. He, had, he was traveling everywhere. I, I've told these people, I've, I've raised up uh, pastors and, and deacons and elders, and I'm moving on because he wanted the message to go as far as it possibly could. He's traveling, actually, and we get to our text today. He goes to sleep one night, and he has a dream. The Bible says that he had a vision in the nighttime, so I believe that he was asleep 
and God gave him a dream or a vision. Has anybody ever had a, a dream from God or a vision from God while you slept? I have. I, I believe that God will speak to us and reveal things to us through dreams. But let me also say that I don't believe every dream that I have is from God or from the devil for that matter. Some people want to, some believers, spirit-filled believers think the devil's in your dream and meddling with your dreams. I don't believe that for a heartbeat. I believe I'm covered with the blood and the devil better watch out. He has no business in my dreams. But I do believe that God will, at times, speak to me or reveal things to me through a vision. He did this with the apostle. Now it's not Saul anymore. It's, it's Paul and not just Paul. It's the apostle Paul. See what the Holy Ghost can do if you just let him? What the, the Holy Spirit, the, the Lord Jesus Christ will do? He'll change you so radically, you won't even have the same name when he's done with you. Hallelujah. Change our lives. Amen. Simon went from Simon to Simon Peter to just Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm ready for a change so radical, I don't care if I have the same name when God's done with me. Hallelujah, because I don't want to walk the same anyway. I don't want to talk the same anyway. I want God to change me. God changed the, uh, the, this, this persecutor Saul and made him a preacher, Paul. So he has this vision, and he hears a voice. A voice from a man that he couldn't even see his face. It's the faceless voice from Macedonia. Maybe that's your subtitle under the title here. We're still in the invitation series. I'll close it next week, God willing. But this invitation, strange. It's coming from someone without a face. Just a voice from a city. A voice from a region. Like a county, if you will. Macedonia. We, we know it today as the Macedonian call. Someone he'd never met, someone he did not know, come to Macedonia. Come and help us. Folks, I believe that we all have a Macedonia. I believe we all are missionaries. We all have a mission field. It may not be Asia. It might be Artesia. It might not be Norway. It might be Norwalk. You may not be called to Buenos Aires, you might be called to Buena Park. It might be Cyprus or it might be Cyprus. But I believe, Elliot's not going to like that at all. Elliot said he should proof all my jokes before I say them. I believe we're all called to be missionaries. I believe we all have a mission field. Don't think about literally going to Macedonia. You have a mission field right where you are. What will propel you to your mission field? Give me 10 more minutes and we'll, we'll let you go. First of all, lost souls should propel you to your mission field. Lost souls are calling out. They're crying out. Lost souls call us to a mission field. The Apostle Paul went to sleep, has a vision, and in the middle of the night, the scripture says a man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him. Please, come help us. 
come to Macedonia. We're hurting. We're confused. We're wounded. We're lost. Come and help us. Why did the man plead with Paul? I believe he pleaded because the need is so great. After all, people all around us, if they're not with Christ, they're lost. If they're not with Christ, they have no hope. Ephesians 2.12, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God. People who had never even heard the gospel one time. I thought about that. And what came to my mind when I thought of the people who had never heard the gospel. Let me ask you, before I reveal what I thought, what do you think of when you think of people who had never heard the gospel? Where do you think, maybe? You said Africa, you mouthed Africa. That's, that, was my, that was my first thought. Well, people in Africa have never heard of the gospel. And while that is true, I believe that there are people in Africa that have never heard the gospel. I also believe there are people in Southern California that have never heard the gospel. You think, oh, that can't be. That's because we're in our own little cocoon and we're in our own little world and, and we forget. There's a whole generation that has been raised up and is being raised up right now that are totally without God because their parents decided I didn't like the restrictions growing up I had to go to church and and this and that and the other and and so now I'm not going to make my kids I'll let them decide for them there's a whole paradigm shift and a whole uh, shift of thinking with this new generation that is being raised up right now they do not know and they live right here don't know God loves them. They don't know that Jesus died to save them. They don't know that he rose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And they don't know that if they believe in him and accept him, they will have everlasting life. They don't know. But how can they know unless somebody tells them? You know, I, I've thought that perhaps if God had consulted me, I could have helped him with a plan. God's plan could have been, this is a good plan, seriously. God's plan to save humanity and, and let people know. See, now we're just talking about people that don't know. How could they know? One plan could be that God dispatches angels because he's created so many of them. God could just dispatch angels, even if they're not in the appearance of angels, uh, heavenly angels. They could become uh, the form of a man or woman, right? Be careful that when you entertain strangers because you might be entertaining an angel unaware. That's in the Bible. See, Rose, I think God could have, one plan could be that God could dispatch angels. Just thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands, however many are necessary, and every region, every country, every tribe, every nation would at least hear. Here's the problem with that plan. It's not God's plan. It's my plan. Fairly decent plan, right? That way everybody would know. Here's another plan. 
that I, you know, had God consulted me, maybe I'd tell him. God, your voice is so big. And just one word from you. So he could look over the balcony of heaven, and he doesn't even need a megaphone because he could just, his voice would just become like a megaphone, see, Pete. And he just booms out over heaven. This is my son, Jesus, in whom I'm well pleased. If you believe on his name, you will be saved. And he just declares it himself because he's God and he could do that. Everybody would hear it and then they decide. Not a bad plan. Here's the problem. It's not God's plan. It's my plan. And actually, they're very flawed plans. Because God's plan is a perfect plan. Do you know what God's plan is? This will blow your mind. <laughs> You're looking at God's plan. I'm looking at God's plan. Every time you look in the mirror, you look to your left and to your right. We're it, folks. We are that perfect plan of God to tell the world that Jesus will save them. And they can have everlasting. That's God's plan. And I think, God, do you know how messed up we are? <laughs> do you know how, how, how many issues we still have? How much baggage I bring to the table? Yeah. How much I need you to get anything done? Oh, yeah. There's kind of the point. God's plan to reach humanity is you and me. With all of our insecurities and all of our, all of our faults, failures. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Romans 10, 14. And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear unless someone preaches? And some may be saying, oh, well, there's where I get off the hook. Pastor Steve's the preacher. Pastor Dave. Pastor Moses. Pastor Jim. Pastor Becca. And maybe some others even. But whew, there's my out. Well, the preaching here is just the proclaiming. It's not the occupational ministry of pastoring it's preaching or proclaiming the good news of Jesus so you're all not only missionaries today you're all preachers today amen, amen. lost souls should propel you to your mission field they're calling you but it's not enough that they're lost and even that you see the lost you've got to care about them you've got to love them love for souls will get you out in the mission field. And Paul loved souls. He loved the lost. He loved the Jew and he loved the Gentile. He wasn't so focused on just the Jew is the favored people of God. You know, I think we get in that rut sometimes, only it's not Jewish or Gentile. It's our color of our skin and, and our heritage and our race. And it's not just the white man or the Caucasian that struggles with this. Although the Caucasian race, I will say, is very guilty and has been very guilty of this, thinking that they are supreme and they are superior to all other races. God help us and God forgive us. But I think no matter what color your skin is and no matter what your heritage is, African-American, 
Hispanic, Asian, Filipino. I think all of us have a tendency to think maybe we're better than all others. Of course, no one in this room thinks that, and I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, some people out there. But we got to love the lost. It doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. Because when we get to heaven, the color of our skin isn't going to matter. It won't matter where we, where we were born or where our grandparents were born. We're just going to be the family of God, worshiping God. Every tribe and every nation, every tongue, every creed, every nationality and every color of skin. <laughs> See, we got to look past that. Uh, we get stuck. We get stuck big time. And we're not effective or just barely effective only to that focus group. He loved the Jew. He loved the Gentile. We also know of his love because of how quickly he and Silas responded. Look at verse number 10. After he had seen the vision, immediately Paul and Silas sought to go to Macedonia. They immediately responded. They, their conclusion was that the Lord had called them to preach the gospel to the people there. Immediate obedience. Write it down. Immediate obedience will take us very, very far in our spiritual walk, even though we don't understand it. Paul had another plan. Did you know that? I'll unfold that in a moment. Paul thought he already knew where he was supposed to go two different times, in fact. But God didn't let him go. And when he finally spoke to him and showed him his plan, Paul's response was immediate obedience. Not only did they go to Macedonia, they visited, keep your Bible open, let me walk you through a few things here and we'll close this down. But they, they went to several cities within the region of Macedonia. Macedonia would be like Orange County. Within Orange County, there are many cities. Macedonia was like a region, and within it, there were several cities. In fact, one of the chief cities, it tells us, uh, was Philippi. Look at verse number 12. This won't be on your screen, so follow along in your Bible there on your lap or on your, uh, your smartphone or, or pad there. And there from, they went to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia. It's a colony, and they were staying in that city for some days. Now, when they went on to Philippi... Philip decided to go down by the riverside and preach the gospel and hold a prayer meeting. <laughs> down by the riverside. I, I love that. And here's Lydia. She's just a merchant in the area. She's, she's one of the uh, uh, working ladies, working and selling her wares. She's just a merchant trying to make a living. And she, she focuses on purple, it says. I don't know why that's significant, but there it is in the word, word of God. Lydia, a seller of purple, and she responds to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she is saved and baptized, the Bible tells us, there by the riverside. And what's really powerful and what takes it to a whole other level, but it wasn't just Lydia that was saved and baptized, but also her entire family. Look at verse number 15. And when she and her household were baptized. See, you don't get baptized unless you're a believer. Have you been baptized since you believed has been the question throughout the word of God. We know that they were believers because they were baptized. 
So Lydia and her whole family have this conversion experience and they're baptized and it gets better. It, get, it, gets, it builds, it gets stronger even. And then they went and it happened in verse number 16. They went, uh, went on to prayer and that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination. She was demon possessed. She begins to say, these men are from, uh, the, these men are the servants of the most high God. And they proclaimed to us the way of salvation. It wasn't even that she was saying things that were off or wrong necessarily. But she was demon possessed. Let me just interject this for free. Stay away from palm readers and psychics. It's not entertainment. It's of the devil. And you open the smallest doorway and the devil will come in. Let me just tell you something. You know, you give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. Stay away from psychics and palm readers. It's not of God and it's not entertainment. And if you want to know what your future is, open up the word of God. You want to know what your future is, you get down on your knees and pray and God will unfold his plan. God will unfold his future for you. Hallelujah. You don't need somebody reading tea leaves and reading the cards and looking at the stars. We look at the word of God. Hallelujah. She would not let up. She would not shut up. She just kept on yakking every day. These guys are from God, and they've come to tell us the way of salvation. She got to a place of annoyance, the Bible tells us. Mm -hmm. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These are the servants of the Most High God. She did this many days, but Paul got greatly annoyed. And he turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out of her that very day. She was delivered. But see, she used to make money for her master. Now she couldn't make money anymore. And so, you know, the, the old adage, money speaks. Well, the lack of money speaks too. <laughs> and there used to be a flow of money coming because of her gift, if you will. And it was a gift. It just wasn't a gift from God. And once this stopped, the, her master, her employer, if you will, he took it to the magistrates. He took it to the city officials. And they decided they were going to take matters into their own hands. And it says that the multitude rose up, verse number 22, and the magistrates tore off the clothes of Paul and Silas and commanded that they be beaten with rods. They'd laid, when they'd laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them secretly. Just because you immediately obey does not mean it's going to be a bed of roses, does it? Sometimes following the path of God and following the leading of the Holy Spirit, following the voice of God could mean harm. It could mean persecution. It certainly did for Paul and Silas that day. They were thrown in jail. But I'm thankful that God is not only the God in the pit, he's also the God in the palace. God is not only the God in the palace, he's also the God in the prison. And God, just like he did Joseph, took him from the pit to the palace to the prison, back to the palace again. And positioned him in such a way that he had governance over all of Egypt. God will do the same for us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And he was with Paul and Silas in the jail. And verse number 25 says, but about midnight, hallelujah, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns and, and praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Hallelujah. And the keeper of the prison 
the warden awake, awakening from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he supposed that the prisoners had fled. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice and said, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light. He ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your whole household. You see what happens when you just let God lead you to your mission field? When you see the lost and when you have a love for the lost? Lydia was converted and baptized. Lydia's family was converted and baptized. This demon-possessed girl was set free and delivered that day. And I believe she also became a convert of Jesus Christ. And here now in prison, beaten and left there, they still have a song in their heart and a spring in their steps. They're still going to believe. They're still going to pray. And they led the jailer to the Lord. He and his household were also saved. This only happens, folks, when we have a love for the lost. Love for the lost. What will propel you to your mission field? Pastor Moses, come. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. If you let him. So this is my final point. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to your mission field. You see... Paul and Silas, they were already being greatly used and they thought they knew where they were supposed to go. But if you back up, verse number six, they were going through Phrygia and the re region of Galatia. But they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach in Asia. Forbidden. Okay. So after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia. What's the Bible say? The Spirit of God would not permit them. You see, not only is the Holy Spirit's job to convict us and bring an awareness of our, our guilt and our sin, He also will guide us. Every step we take, can be guided by the Holy Spirit. And even though a door closes, Jojo, Pastor, mm, a closed door, hear this from God, a closed door is as much the Holy Spirit leading as an open door. And even though I didn't always understand when one door would close and I would be frustrated and even angry maybe, as I look back on my life, I just want to take a moment and testify today and thank God for some of the doors he closed that he didn't even tell me why he was closing them at the time. But now as I look back, I have perspective and I thank God for some doors that he closed. Because had he not closed this door and not closed that door and led me and forced me to move in the direction of the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't have gone maybe to the door that he wanted to open let the Holy Spirit lead you. Forbidden to preach in Asia, not permitted to go into Bithynia. My, my, my. Where's your Macedonia? 
I'll answer it partially. But you'll have to pray the Holy Spirit to truly reveal to you what is your Macedonia. But part of the answer to this is just outside your door. How many encounter somebody that is lost and doesn't know Jesus every day of your life? Now, I'm in a bit of a cocoon here. Most all my staff is saved. Most of my deacons are saved. <laughs> Listen, I'm spoiled. I got all this goodness, spirit-filled saved folk surrounding me. But even then, I have parents who will drop off their children Parents who are unsaved, but yet want to bring their children to a Christian school every day. <laughs> Isn't that awesome, Karen? Every day we have this mission field coming to us. Never mind that I just have encounters all about me. But you, you, you are in the thick of things with the lost. This is your Macedonia your neighbors on either side, in your front and in your back, your La Palma, if you live in La Palma, whatever city you live in, this is your Macedonia. I want you to close your eyes and really ponder today. Perhaps we'll never get the vision that Paul received and hear someone crying out as he did, help us, help me. But I want you to hear that today with spirit ears because I do believe there's somebody crying out for you to come to them. Come and help me. They're faceless right now. You, know, you don't know them. You've not met them yet. But they're crying out, please come to my Macedonia. Please come and help me. The invitation today is to your mission field. And that's why we're going to really concentrate tonight, not just on our future, but part of our future is finding our mission field. Figuring out these people that God allows us to encounter. That's your world. You remember how to change the world? You change your world. You impact those people in your world every day and you just begin to let the light of Jesus shine. Remember, the Holy Spirit can use any and every opportunity as a segue to talk about Jesus. Everyone, everything can be a connection to share Christ. Father, show us today our Macedonia. Show us, God, the regions that we're to go to. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you might even close doors, forbidding us to go, stopping us, so that we will find that open door and be effective for you. If you want God to show you what your mission field is, and you want God's help in being effective in that mission field, 
As Pastor Moses leads us in this chorus, I want you to stand if that's you. Come on. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Use me, God. Use me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Come on, lift up one hand if you're available to be used by God. You can use anything, Lord. Use me, Lord. You can use me. Use me for your purpose. Use me for your glory. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Take my hands. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. Pastor Dave, I want you to come and just pray God's blessing and that he would just cement this word in the hearts and the ears today. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that's spoken to our hearts, God. And I pray that our hearts would be open and receive it. Our ears would be open to hear it, oh God. And Lord, I pray that, that we would go and we would make a difference, Father. Help us to reach out to those we come in contact in our workplace, God, in schools, in our families, God. Help us to be the light into this dark world. God, help us to reach our Macedonia. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, and we give you praise that you trust us with this privilege of sharing your good news. Jesus, we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.